Well, we're in our second week of our Advent series called Why Christmas? Our pastor comes up with these series titles. And then he says, hey, you guys got to figure out something to preach. And I, I like this one. Why Christmas? I mean, who would think to ask that question? He asked all of us to think about a part of the Christmas story um, that we would w- kind of want to contemplate and delve into. And the first thing that I thought of was, why the journey? Why did they have to take the journey um, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, other than that it was prophesied? Um, and I was thinking about different journeys in my own life. And Jay and I, my husband Jay, uh, we took a journey about 20 years ago. And at the time, we were living with my parents, and I've apologized to them for that profusely. That turned into a 10-month thing. It was only supposed to be a couple months. Um, but I still kind of feel bad about it because I have a kid of my own now I can't seem to get rid of. So, um, But anyway, <laughs> different perspective there. Uh, so Jay and I were kind of on this journey, and he was working second shift at the time, and he got home around midnight that night, and, and I was still awake, and I said, hey, you know what, let's go for a walk. My parents have a really long driveway, and he kind of looked at me like I was crazy, and um, I said, let's just go outside and go for a walk. It was nice out, and so we started walking up and down the driveway, up and down the driveway. It was pretty peaceful. I remember the moon being out, and, and then all of a sudden, what I thought was a bat flew over my head. Now, I can deal with spiders. They don't bother me. I don't freak out about spiders. I can even take a dead mouse out of a mouse trap by myself because we live on a farm. You just have to know how to do that stuff. Um, but bats freak me out. So that thing went over my head, and I said, we're done with this walk. Let's go back inside. So we went inside, and I knew he was tired, and I said, all right, let's just try to get a little bit of sleep. And I mean, he was like passed out as soon as his head hit the pillow, and I'm just laying there, and I can't sleep, and I can't sleep, and about half an hour goes by, and I finally said, Jay, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Like, we're on this journey together. I'm not asleep. You should not be asleep. Even though I told you you should probably try to get some sleep, I didn't really mean for you to go to sleep. Wake up. Quit sleeping. So we got up, and pretty soon we decided we better get in the car and head you know, make our way um, to the ending point of this journey. So we got in the car, and all he had to do was drive us there. But he could not do one thing right. He drove too fast. And then when I would say he was driving too fast, he'd drive too slow. And then I'd say, we don't have all night. Could you drive a little faster, please? And then it's just back and forth, back and forth. We get into town. The lights are, I mean, it's like 3 a.m. at this point. The lights are red. He wants to stop. Who's out at 3 a.m.? No, you don't need to stop at a red light. Just go. So he would just try to start going through the red lights, and that was not good either. I mean, you have to look both ways first before you run the red light. I mean, I had to tell him every little thing to do. He could not get it right. And so we finally get to where we need to be. And he said, do you want me to drop you off? No, just park the car. I I can walk. I'm going to walk. Well, he made the wrong decision there. He parked the car and let me try to walk. And I couldn't walk in to where I needed to go. I had to sit on every other car bumper for a couple of minutes until I could finally make my way 
into the hospital. Of course I'm talking about that journey we took 20 years ago when our first son was born. The journey from home to the hospital. And of course I'm teasing about poor Jay. He tried. He tried. But, you know, you fathers know that really when your wife is in labor, there is very little you can do that is correct at the moment. (laughs) But he did try. You know, we think about that journey. It became a journey that two more times in my life I dreaded. I hated that journey of having to get into the car and drive to the hospital. Now, don't get me wrong. What you get at the end of that journey is fantastic. Nothing like it in the world. But those hours leading up to that fantastic moment are very difficult for all involved. We have a lot of cliches about journeys and life being a journey. We even had a a faith journey that we, our journey of faith that we did here a while back. um, I believe that was to raise money for our new building. And, you know, we talk about our faith as being a journey. Our relationship with the Lord is a journey. You, you grow in that and walk in that as he, as he guides us. But you know what? Cliche or not, life really is a journey. It's a process. It has a beginning and an end. And it's one long journey that's made up of many, many shorter, smaller journeys. Well, Mary and Joseph had quite the journey that they needed to take from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we're going to read that scripture together. It's found in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Lord, I pray that you'll help us now just to look at this passage with new eyes, to hear it, Lord, with new ears. And I pray, Jesus, that you'll help us to grow in our faith um, through even the most familiar of passages. Lord, would you speak to us now? In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. So Mary and Joseph had quite the journey even before this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You know, they're not, they weren't married at the time uh, they were engaged when Mary found out she was pregnant. And so she's pregnant and she was a virgin. And then you've got this whole backstory going on with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Zechariah didn't believe, so he was made mute. You have this whole kind of unbelievable, really hard to wrap your mind around story going on. It was quite a journey. And so 
Mary now finds out, Mary and Joseph find out that the government now gets involved in their, in their unbelievable story and declares that there's to be a census taken. And so everyone, no one gets to escape this census. Everyone must travel back to their hometown. Well, because Joseph was from um, Bethlehem, they needed to travel to Bethlehem from Nazareth. Now that, you know, here Mary is, she's nine months pregnant. Some people said to me after the first service, I think maybe she was only eight. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter. Eight or nine months, it's all the same. Okay, nobody's comfortable at that point. So the journey is still the journey. Um, The journey itself would have taken about eight to ten days. And I'm going to go with ten because of Mary's condition that she was in. And uh, I don't want to ruin anybody's Christmas. I really don't. But there might not have been a donkey in this story. I did some research. They're just not really sure that there was a donkey. Now, Nancy Thomas thinks there was a donkey because it's on this beautiful storyboard. I love this storyboard. Doesn't it add so much? It's beautiful. And... um, Somebody told me after the first service they felt lied to for so many years because they always thought there was a donkey. There might have been a donkey. If Christmas is better for you believing there was a donkey, then by all means, believe there was a donkey. But we do kind of need to consider Joseph's financial position at this time. He might not have had enough money to get a donkey for that journey. Now, I think Joseph was a stand-up guy, and I think he would have done everything he could have to have made this journey easier for Mary. So I think he, he at least did try to find one, but we don't know if they really had a donkey. Mary might have had to have walked that whole way, and she might have actually been more comfortable walking. We don't know. There's some conflicting historical information about that. But donkey or no donkey, they would have had to have crossed over mountains, down into valleys. They would have had to cross miles and miles of desert sand, uphill, downhill. They would have had to have crossed the waters of the Jordan River um, several, or two, at least two different times is what the account tells us. And um, it would have been really hot in some parts of that journey And then it would have been cooler at other points. So there's no constant temperature. Um, It just, all in all, would have been 100 miles. Would have been a 100-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, the pictures of the Christmas cards that we always see, and if you've already bought your cards, it's okay. Whatever picture's on there is good. But the pictures that we always see are Mary and Joseph, usually with their donkey, And they're by themselves, right? There's not a bunch of people around them. They're usually by themselves. But this actually would not have been the case. There would have been other people making this journey with them because the census was for everyone. No one got to escape that. And so other people would have been making this same journey or at least part of the journey and stopping off at their respective hometowns. You know, so we have this kind of misconception of this journey that Mary and Joseph had to take. Maybe was just this peaceful, romantic, 
pony ride under a starlit night. It was not. I think Mary was so sweet. She would have had to have been. I think she was probably one of the sweetest young women on the earth at the time. But when you're nine months pregnant, sweet only goes so far. I think probably this journey brought out some of the not-so-sweet parts of Mary. She would have been miserable. Who would have wanted to make that journey? You know, you think how it's supposed to be when we're gearing up to have our babies. The family's kind of settling in. Mom-to-be's resting and eating well and seeing a doctor every, every week. Dad's putting the crib together and painting the nursery. Um, you know, no one is planning a 10-day, 100-mile walk at that point. As a matter of fact, nine-month pregnant women are not even supposed to be that far from home. But Mary, she has to do this. She doesn't get to escape this just because she's carrying the Christ child. These circumstances, the decision that was made at that time to have the census, they belonged to her too. She had to do it even though it was out of her control. And you know what? This whole scenario, thinking about all of this with Mary and Joseph and all that they had to navigate and go through, it reminds me a lot of life in general. We have all had to take 10-day, 100-mile journeys in our lives that we were not prepared to take. Things have happened to us that have been outside of our control. Decisions were made by other people that forced us into a journey that we weren't physically prepared for, that we weren't emotionally prepared for, that we weren't mentally or even spiritually prepared to take. And yet, because of the circumstances beyond our control, we had to take the journey. We had to start walking. And for a lot of us, there are journeys like that still to come in our future. You can't plan for those journeys. And for people who are, like me, very much a control freak, those kinds of things make me come undone when I can't plan everything out. But there are journeys that are going to happen in our lives where you can't plan for them. You can't pack ahead because you have no idea where you're going. You can't get on Google Maps and come out with, come up with the best route there. Just at the last minute, you start walking. Another really cool thing I think about Mary and Joseph's journey is that, like I said before, we always think about their journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. We think about the beginning point and the end point. You know, you want to get somewhere, you think about the beginning and the end. Our family goes to Polly's Island, South Carolina, every summer. We love it there. We look forward to going. But on the day that we leave, it is all about the end point. We get in the car, Megan, Seth, and I put our earbuds in, and we go. Jay drives and listens to talk radio. Wow, that's why the rest of us have earbuds. 
But anyway, we just go. We, don't, we only stop to eat and maybe use the restroom, and that's only if it's a hair-on-fire emergency. We just go, and we get there as fast as we can. All we're concerned about is where we started from home and the end point. We don't stop and look at the things around us on the way there. We don't really care. We just want to get there. But for Mary and Joseph, it would have been different. Mary and Joseph would have been traveling this, this route that was just filled with faith history. I had never really thought about this before until I started preparing for this message. But do you realize they would have traveled the same route that the Good Samaritan helped the, the beaten and robbed person? They would have traveled part of the route where the Ark of the Covenant was carried. They would have come across the, the, uh, Jacob's well at Sychar, where, the, where Jesus met the woman at the well. They would have, they would have been near where Abraham, or when, where God met with Abraham. There was so much history along that route where people like them had, had struggled and yet triumphed along the way. And not only was there history, but there were people there with them that would have come along with them on this journey. They would not have been completely by themselves. And, you know, because they didn't have books on tape or uh, radios or earbuds, I think they would have talked about a lot of this stuff together. I think that they would have had conversations about what they were what, what they were kind of feeling along the way, knowing that they were walking the same route where so much of their faith history had taken place. Now, granted, um, you know, the people with them most likely were not nine months pregnant, but Mary and Joseph had support along that journey. They had the support of knowing that there were people who had gone before them. They had the support of having people actually with them. It's so easy sometimes to feel alone in our own journeys, isn't it? It's so easy when those unexpected journeys come along and and we have to start, we're forced to start walking through something we're not prepared for to feel like we're all by ourselves. Most of you know that our daughter Megan was in a very serious car accident in June. And uh, I remember that night, truly, like it just happened. And uh, it was, she, she got in an accident just before midnight. And so it was about 2 a.m. by the time we got through one ER and were transported down to OSU. And, uh, you know, Jay and I had one another. And there was a hospital full of people, but we felt so alone. We had made the decision to not call anybody. You know, we knew our parents were sleeping. We didn't want them to be, be woken up in the night and have to try to drive down there in the middle of the night. And Tanner was working third shift. We just, we just made the decision. We're just going to, we're going to wait until the morning. We didn't really, we didn't know how serious things were at that point. We, you know, we just didn't feel like we knew enough to wake people up, but we, but we knew it was pretty serious. 
And I just remember feeling so alone because I wanted my family. I wanted my church to know so that they could be praying for us. Those difficult journeys we find ourselves on sometimes where we are reaching, we're just crying out to the Lord, but at the same time, we find it so hard sometimes to pray. You know that feeling? And you need other people to come alongside of you and to be praying for you. I was never so glad for it to be 7 a.m. in my life that night because that's when I could start calling people. And I, we, we called our parents, we called Tanner. Uh, we let people know what was going on. And people came, and people texted, and people called. And all of a sudden, we weren't alone anymore on this journey. We had people that came alongside of us. Some people that had never traveled that particular journey before, but some who had. I remember getting a text from June Ackley that said she was praying for us. And she said, I know exactly what you're feeling right now. And she did, because Thad had been in a terrible car accident years before. And her text meant so much to me to know somebody else has traveled this journey before. And I had seen June's testimony throughout that journey with Thad, and I knew that she had found God to be faithful. And I had seen Thad's testimony through his Accident, and he had found God to be faithful. And all of a sudden, I knew I'm on that same journey, and God's going to be faithful. There is something to be said for taking those journeys that we have to with other people who can come alongside of us. But it's also very tempting when we're on those hard journeys in life to look at other people's journeys. And think, you know what? Their journey is not nearly as difficult as my journey, and that's not fair. I can't really think that Mary thought there was anything fair about her journey. She and Joseph had been through scandal, and now she's taking this 100 mile walk because of a government decision. There's nothing fair about that. There was nothing fair about Joseph taking a pregnant fiancé. Scandal. There's nothing fair about that. You know what I say about fair. If If you've known me for very long, you've heard me say this, and I really believe this. Fair is what you take a pig to. There's not, there's no fair. There's nothing fair about life. I tell my students that all the time at school. Well, why does he get to listen to music when he's working and I don't? That's not fair. Well, his needs are different than yours and there is no fair. Life's not fair. It isn't fair that some people lose their jobs and other people's don't. It's not fair that some people are born into poverty and other people aren't. It's not fair that some people develop terminal illnesses and other people don't. It's not fair that healthy, somebody who's healthy and takes care of themselves die at the age of 50 because of a heart attack and other, another person can do everything possible to, to destroy themselves and they live till they're 100. There's nothing fair about that. 
I don't know why some children are born with disabilities. I don't know why Megan, my daughter, had to get in a car accident. I don't know, and I don't think it's fair that she got to live and other kids didn't. There's nothing fair about life. And all of our journeys look completely different. Our circumstances are different. Except for one thing. There is one thing that remains constant for all of us, no matter what we're going through. And that is this. That God, in his infinite mercy, in his measureless love for us, walks every step of our journeys with us. There is not one of us who will go through a journey that will have to do that without the presence of God if we will allow him to be a part of our lives. God promises to never forsake us. He promises to never leave us, no matter what the circumstances are that surround us. He promises to give us strength. He promises to give us direction and wisdom. He promises to meet our needs all along the way of these journeys that sometimes we're forced to take. The way through this life is not easy. It's not easy. So how meaningful is it that Christ came into this world via a very difficult journey? Mary carried that Christ child with her and the hope of an eternal faithful father. And it's no different for us today. We carry Christ within us and the hope of an eternal faithful father along the way that comes along beside us and helps us to get through whatever life holds for us. So why the journey? Because the event of Christ's birth was so much more, so much more than just about a baby being born. It was God. It's about God being willing to take a very difficult path to get to us. Why the journey? Because God in his unfathomable love decided that we were completely hopeless without him. And he was willing to send his son into this place to meet us. Why the journey? Because God in his infinite mercy was willing to put this whole plan into motion that would end in his son's death so that we could have forgiveness and hope. Why the journey? So you nor I would never have to walk through life and into an eternity without him. Never do we have to take one step of this life without his love, his help, his hope, his strength, and his comfort. Finally, why the journey? Well, because it was the journey The road that Mary and Joseph took that started at Nazareth and ended in Bethlehem 
was the beginning of the ultimate journey that Christ would take for us. If anyone should have been exempt from having to walk a hundred miles across mountains and valleys and deserts and through water, it should have been the mother of Jesus. But she wasn't. She wasn't exempt from that. His birth wasn't surrounded by a bunch of fanfare. There was no gender reveal party. There was not a medical team waiting on the sidelines to make sure everything went okay. There was not a photographer there to take pictures of the birth and the new family. There was no waiting room full of family and friends at the birth of Christ. Jesus came into this world under extremely difficult, humble, meager circumstances for the express purpose of intersecting our lives with his presence and his forgiveness. That long journey to Bethlehem led to the most powerful event in history. It was an unjust journey, a despair-filled journey, but it was a journey that he was willing to take to the cross. A journey that cancels out your journey and my journey through this life and into eternity without him. He took that journey to the cross so that we could have him with us and be forgiven. And here's what I hope for us this Christmas season. You know, it's such a beautiful time of the year. And we're putting up trees and lights and looking at all the the candles and even the the presents are, you know, when they're wrapped, they're, they're pretty. There's just so much beautiful, so many beautiful things going on this time of the year. But here's what I hope for us. I hope that with every Christmas tree we see, I hope that with every nativity set that we look at, I hope every Christmas card we look at, every baby we see in a manger, I hope that we're reminded of that journey that paved the way for us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. I hope we're reminded that he comes alongside of us when we're broken and we're beat down and we're hurting and we feel alone and we realize that he comes alongside of us and he journeys with us. I hope that we're reminded of his journey, not just the one his parents made from from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but I hope that we're reminded of that journey he took to the cross as well. Christmas is not just about his birth. Christmas is about why his birth came to pass as it was supposed to in the first place and where it led him. And because of where it led him to the cross, what does it mean for us? I hope we can think about that this year as we're going through the paces of this beautiful holiday season. That first journey was difficult, but the journey to the cross was the most difficult of all. 
but pays the biggest reward to us. And we need to be so thankful for that. Amy's going to come and play for us. And I'm going to ask you just to stand. I wonder this morning a couple of things. I wonder if there are some of you out there who are going through quite the journey yourself right now. I know some of you are. There are many of us, though, that take these journeys very much in secret because, you know, we try to keep those things to ourselves. But I want you to know this morning you're not alone in your journey. And you don't have to tell anybody what's going on with you right now, but sometimes it helps to just know that there is a hand on your shoulder praying for you as you're being forced to walk somewhere you're not prepared to go. And so if that's you this morning, if you're finding yourself on this journey you don't really want to be on, but you don't really have a choice, and you want to come and and pray this, this morning, somebody will come alongside of you and put their hand on your shoulder and pray with you. And then maybe some of us just need to be reminded that that journey to Bethlehem had to happen so that Jesus Christ could come to this place and intersect our lives. He did that for us. And maybe we need to be reminded of that this morning. And maybe there are some who just want to thank him for taking that journey to the cross. So as Amy uh, plays for us this morning, if you want to come and pray this morning at the altar, just come ahead. And um, I'm going to pray for us right now. If you want to come and pray, feel free to do that, and somebody will come alongside and, and pray with you. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. Lord, you are such a a good and faithful God. And you've proven that to many of us time and time and time again. And yet, Lord, when we're forced to take these walks, these journeys that we're not prepared for, it often catches us off guard and it makes us come undone a little bit. And we begin to feel like we're alone. But Lord... Help us to know that we're not alone. There are others who have taken these journeys ahead of us, and they came out on the other side singing the praise of a faithful God. Lord, we're not alone on these journeys because we have each other. Help us to love each other as we journey beside one another. Lord, help us to reach out a hand and just be able to say, you know what, I'm praying for you no matter what you're going through right now. And Lord, help us to be ever mindful of that ultimate journey that you took for us to the cross. It is just so hard to wrap around our minds, Lord, that you would come to this place just to find us. But you did. And Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray as those gathered around the altar um, are dealing with whatever is going on in their lives, I pray that Jesus, others would come alongside of them, pray with them, 
and that you would bring peace and comfort, Lord, and healing and a sense that you're near and you're walking beside us. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray.